This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. It is Monday, August 15th, and we have an exciting week of shows lined up. A lot of on-the-water action that concluded this past week, as well as a preview for some action that will go down this week. Uh, Pretty much focused around smallmouth. Uh, it seems like the last seven, eight years, it's just been smallmouth, smallmouth, smallmouth uh, in the summer. Uh, understandably so. Who doesn't like to be up there in the 70-degree uh, weather? We saw uh, 102 pounds, 9 ounces uh, from Jay Shakurit in the Elite Series a couple weeks ago, setting an all-time record for 20 smallmouth bass. And then Dakota Ebear goes out in the most recent BPT on Cayuga and catches a 710. Thing was an absolute freak show. Uh, biggest, I think it's the biggest smallmouth in FLW. And no, not FLW. I think maybe there was an eight pounder weighed in, but that a uh, biggest smallmouth in BPT history. Uh, so entering the record books uh, with that. So a guy who knows a lot more stats than I do about all that stuff is Joe Pogger. We will have him on. He is the uh, head media guru at uh, MLF. He will set the table for the uh, Pro Circuit title that is going down. I think it starts tomorrow on the St. Lawrence River. Uh, We saw a lot of the events going out of Clayton, which is really close to the lake. Uh, I think it's a haul. I don't think they're allowed to go into the lake for this one. I think it's a long way away from the lake, so we'll see more uh, more river action in the title. 50 anglers in that event. We will get into the who, what, where, when, and why with Joe on that. Also, uh, kind of clear the murky waters as far as who's in, who's out, who's got a chance to be in, who's got a chance to be out, and who's got a choice of where they want to go when next year. Uh, still some stuff to be determined. There's one more stage left uh, in September on Malax. Uh, the BPT goes there. That is probably the one that I have been anticipating the most watching outside of the Cayuga event, which did not disappoint. Uh, Dustin Connell gets another win, 96 pounds, 12 ounces on the final day. Jacob Wheeler finishes second with 80 pounds, 9 ounces, followed by Annie Montgomery. Good to see Big Show. Big Show with his best uh, with his best performance in the BPT, a fourth place showing, and then uh, Zach Burge, who's everywhere these days, he finished fifth, and then probably one of the, I mean, I'd put him behind Lucas, and I would have to put him behind Lucas and and Neil, right now as far as hottest angler multiple across all circuits, that would be Dakota Eber. Insane there, another top five finish for uh, Dakota Eber, and then Justin Lucas in seventh. But what we did find out heading into the final uh bpt event is that uh 
Jacob Wheeler has a 65 point lead over Jordan Lee, and it's been a minute since he's finished below 65th. Uh, so all he has to do is make the the cut, make the top 20 cut in his round at the next event, and it's a cakewalk for another angler of the year title for Jacob Wheeler. Speaking of titles, there's a title that was won on Lake Hartwell for some very happy high school anglers, a little over 300 boats for three days um, on Lake Hartwell, and Bryce Motor and Reese Keeney uh, won that tournament. Now, there's a awesome quote in there. You think that's like spotted bass, schooling fish, and all that. These kids went power fishing, and there's certain things in life. I just remember you have certain bites in life, certain tournaments, certain memories. For me, it was a guy named Bob Evans who let me fish a youth tournament with him that I signed up for through the Casting Kids event. And I'll, I'll always remember I caught three fish on a on a buzz bait when I was 12 years old, and I, I was using Gorilla Braid. That's how long ago it was. And a Browning Vector rod. I'll never forget that. But I remember, vividly remember those bites on Lake Shelbyville, and we had a top 10 in that, that youth event. And I went back. I actually just found a piece of paper that had the results on it. And in my mind, it was like a huge, massive tournament. There were like 38 boats in it. And we finished in the top 10. But it like, so these kids have won the national championship. There's a quote in here. Uh, they caught a couple different five pounders on a horny toad on top water. I got to find this. Uh, I got to find this uh, quote in here. It was about, oh, how did I not? I've got seven pages open up. Basically, he said that when they hit the five and six pounders hit the horny toad, it was like dropping a bowling ball from a tree. That's bites that are seared into uh that's bites that'll be seared into your memory for forever. So all right, Joe Bogger, we're gonna get him on now. Then I've got Tom Reddington in the second half of the show. Had some really good conversations uh with Tom over the past uh year. Really interesting guy. He's been a uh, uh, uh he's fished the opens, he fishes the pro circuit, uh he's rolled with Scott Martin and that crew in the past. He's guided on Lake Fork, uh has had big non endemic sponsors. So really interested to get to Tom Reddington in the second, and then I am going to uh, I might even get into this with Tom. I discovered something that I had no idea of, and it's the craziest world that I've ever... And I actually saw like a, a formal press release from it. It's called the KFL, the Kayak Fishing League. And I don't dabble in the kayak world here because there's a lot of drama. And actually, the reason I heard about this was because of drama. But they have like a league with all these teams with logos. They play games. They drop players they add players they have an all-star game that's voted on they call them games they have home home matches versus away matches nine ter- nine week series they have like uh, north south east west divisions and they go up against each other for total inches and then it's all live streamed on the internet it's crazy i want to get into that at the end because i was very interested in that but let's get to mr opaga you're up in Minnesota, right? I am. Yeah. You work from home mostly. Uh, mostly. Yeah. I, I travel to most of the BPT and a lot of the pro circuit events as well. But yeah, I do work out of my home office up in Minnesota, just uh, about 30 minutes south of Mille Lacs, like for stage where we're heading for stage seven. So uh, you mentioned that earlier. You're pretty excited for one. Uh, that's where I grew up. So I'm really excited to see how the BPT guys do as well. It's interesting. I've talked to quite a few guys and I, I know I know a lot of guys who fished uh, Mille Lacs through the 
decades, I guess. Sure. They started before, you know, Bass went up there and Seth Fighter blew everything away with the sixes. <laughs> and they've talked about over the last decade, especially with the issues that they've had with walleye up there. And then the people trying to make a living with charters and guiding and and now the focus on small with how much that fishery has changed with uh, fishing pressure and notoriety over uh, over the past years. And then I'm interested in seeing it because with the catch rate release format, I'll be interested to see how much largemouth play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a very underrated largemouth fishery. Obviously, it's known for the smallmouth, and that's what everybody's, you know, that's what the winner will likely be catching. You know, it's going to be massive smallmouth. But it's, it's underrated as far as largemouth. There's definitely a, a decent population of largemouth in there. And it's it's one of the best lakes in Minnesota because, you know, it's a trophy fishery. You can go there and catch, you know, trophies of multiple different species, whether it's a giant smallmouth, huge walleye, uh, muskie. There's, you know, some, some massive jumbo perch in there. Uh, so there's just a lot of opportunities. It's a great fishery, and we're looking forward to showing it off next month. Uh, I mentioned Dakota Ebear, the 710. What was the record? Biggest BPT smallmouth? Uh, well, that is it. I don't know what the old record was because, I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, set last year either on St. Clair or the St. Lawrence. Because yeah, there's got to be. I don't ever remember a 710, though, in all no, of the never, years never, of covering never, never. this. Has there no, been one in like a Toyota series or an eight pounder out of St. Clair or anything ever? Not that I recall. And it's really kind of hard to track because, you know, it, we right. never really track species there. And, you know, if weighing in the big bass, usually there's a big bass award. We don't weigh them all. You know, if say there's a, a eight pound largemouth weighed, no one's going to be weighing their sixes or sevens or they may weigh them, but we, we don't I promise any you, Joe, any smallmouth over seven gets weighed, whether it's big bass. Or not. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but we don't keep any record of that. And we don't keep a record that, it, you know, is a, is a smallmouth, you know, on that side of things. So with BPT and the score track and everything, much easier to track because it's all logged species is logged, you know, all that important information, you know, on the pro circuit and Toyota series side, you weigh in and, and it goes into the release boat to never be seen again or to be caught again by somebody right. else. But yeah, we don't log that stuff. So it's kind of hard to tell, but yeah, seven ten, massive smallmouth, the biggest smallmouth we've ever had in, in bass pro tour competition. Absolutely. That's gotta be the biggest smallmouth ever caught on camera ever in the history of earth. <laughs> it was a dinosaur like i said it was there was a great uh feature it went up over the weekend dakota explaining that catch and kind of going through it and yeah it's really cool he was he's so excited and i mean who wouldn't be but if you haven't checked out that video with dakota kind of walking you through that catch check it out because it's really yeah. cool i remember i think butch brown has some stuff out of like cast to catch like a 15 pound largemouth i think milliken has one out that's monstrous like that like the biggest they're claiming like the biggest cast to catch large mouth like that that's sure. got to be the biggest cast to catch smallmouth. i has can't to be. there's one. no one else if anyone yeah. has any cast to catch youtube i mean not like grainy bigfoot footage but like a legit <laughs> cast to catch of anything over 710 i'd be very interested in seeing that yeah it was i think just uh 10 ounces shy of the state record which was that was just caught yeah yeah on cayuga so yeah. That would That's have been a, cool a fun way. story. Another we, place. We kind of got uh, into that discussion during the event. Like, if it would have been a record-breaking fish, what would we have done? Like, you'd have had to box uh, it, wouldn't you? I don't know. I, we, yeah, we need to figure that out because that. Yeah. We well, dude, as the media guy, I think you need to bring that up because that's a feather in the cap. That's something that you can take and, and run with. So you Absolutely. need to have those protocols in there. If it is a state or <laughs> world record, you know, here's 
here's the protocol and actually put that into the stipulations. Sure, sure. No, I think uh, we do need to get a plan together because it could happen in the future. And yeah, like we saw how much press the, you know, the state record got and it was just a, you know, just an angler out on the water. If it actually happened during an actual Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour event, that would be a pretty cool story. So yeah, I need to get on my game. We need to get a plan together. Has there, I'm curious, has there ever been a state or world record caught in a AAA or professional level event? Not that I can recall. Because I mean, I'm thinking typically the, the last... fisheries that hold that many boats aren't conducive to world records, right? Typically there's a freak show thing that you have there, whether it's bait, fish, size, hard to, hard to access. But sure. that would be interesting. There's had to have been a state record before caught during a... But I can't recall... I can't Not, recall anything happening. So I've been with, you know, FLW since yeah. 2011. And so in the last 11 years, it definitely has not happened. That we've includes BFLs, Toyotas, Pro Tour, no. everything. We've had some special fish caught. Like I remember the the tagged fish down in Florida that was worth five grand. The, the guy caught during the Toyota series. Christian Greco. Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, who actually won there this year yeah. on the pro circuit. So yeah, we've had kind of some cool stories like that, but never actually a, a world record fish you know, actually caught during competition. That'd be sweet though. That would, I think it would have to be like a, it would probably have to, I don't think a, there's nowhere you fish that a spotted bass would even play based on what's, what they've got going out there in California. Uh, right. It would have to be a small mouth or a mean mouth. Well, living here near Mille Lacs, I can tell you we're not going to hit seven ten next month. Probably. I mean, we, we were going to see some sixes, Maybe a seven or two, but seven ten. That that was a dinosaur. I, I don't expect we'll see that record broken next month at Malax. Wow. Uh twenty twenty two Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit title. That's the biggest event coming up. That thing kicks off tomorrow. Fifty guys who battled it out this past year uh through six events. That was the one Michael Neal was Angler of the Year. Justin Luca was second. That was a great yep. race. Had both of them on the show uh last week, and then they both went and won their rounds yeah. at, at the uh at the BPT event, but, uh, yeah, I this screwed is, up the show last week. Sorry. Yeah. This is the, uh, <laughs> what is this? The second or third year that you guys have done kind of a hybrid format for this event. Yeah. So this is the third, uh, the third title. The first one was, you know, Bass Pro Tour format, catch way, immediate release. Uh, last year we moved to this hybrid format where it's still, you know, the five fish format will have a weigh in, but it's similar to the Bass Pro Tour as far as the, you know, six-day event with the qualifying round, the qualifying round winners advancing directly to the championship, weights zeroing, and, and all that. So it's kind of, you know, the the hybrid format as far as, you know, similar tournament structure, but five-fish format with the weigh-in. Okay, so they're bringing them in. It's just, so it's yep. just the hybrid, and this doesn't count towards points or anything. This is just a, a one-off money event. Yep, this is go for it. Get that big, big cheddar. All right. Uh, field wise, and I did a little bit of uh, research on this. Fifty anglers in the field. Uh, Jimmy yep. Washam, who we've had on the show a couple times too. He won in twenty twenty one with some awesome catches. That was the one on the Mississippi where he got like fish stuck and was catching them on the little worm and mm -hmm. came in. Great story with Jimmy Washam too. One of those guys that kind of came up through the ranks, took a chance at it, and then was like, oh, here's a big check. Here's another big check. Oh, here's a belt. Yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of had a rough year this year, but he's been a great champion for us over the past season. And, and like I said, he he came up 
through through the system, you know, BFLs, Toyota Series, made it to the the pro circuit, and you know, won the title last year. So he's been a great representative for us, and and, and he's back in this year, despite you know a rough season, but just based on his win from last year. Uh, ten uh, BPT anglers who double dipped into the pro circuit made the championship. So roughly one out of uh, the five competitors. I, I've never understood why some people have an issue with that. I think it's great. You want to fish the more, the merrier. I mean, it is the pro circuit, the old FLW tour. It is a professional level. I got no issues with that. Uh, the other interesting uh, caveat, is caveat the word? The interesting asterisk next to it there is uh, Andy Newcomb. Uh, is best friends with John Cox right now because uh, John Cox qualified in, I think, 16th place to fish the title. However, uh, as he seems to find himself every year because he fishes every tournament that he is physically available for and some that he's not even. Remember, he showed up to like and fish classics with no practice before last (laughs) year and got straight from event to event to event. Um, John Cox is at Oahe in the next-to-last Elite Series event this week instead of competing in the title, which I found interesting, Joe, because I called you and asked if, if you knew of that because I went and I ran the math, so Polinick has a big lead on the Elite Series. He's kind of catchable. Cox is in third, but, I mean, let's be honest, he's not really that catchable. Polinick's probably got this thing in the bag. And I was like, well, you could drop 90 points. He'd still be in the top 20. He'd still qualify for the Classic with ease. And he could just roll right over from Cayuga to, or, or not, but he could roll right from uh, stay in New York, fish yeah, the title, fish for all the money, not have to drive out and hit three pheasants with his truck in South Dakota and try to figure out a place <clears throat> on the moon. So I did contact Bass officials, and the their rule states that in order to, to, to qualify for that classic, an angler has to fish every possible day of competition that he's available for unless, uh, you know, they get like a written release from Bass that, that says it's okay, you miss these days. He did not get that written release to compete in the title this year, so he kind of had to make a decision. Title, what it basically what it came down to was title or classic. Uh, and he's third in that angler of the year, so outside chance of angler in the year. He's pretty much accomplished everything you can accomplish on the MLF side, so... He's at Oahe chasing smallmouth on the moon instead of at the title, which puts yes, Andy yep. Newcomb uh, from Missouri in the title. Yep. Like you mentioned, yeah, we called up Andy just to keep the, uh, you know, the the two groups even. They're split into two groups of 25. So, you know, when John kind of let us know that he was heading to Oahe uh, in order to keep the groups even and, and 25 apiece, called up Andy. And, yeah, he was <laughs> extremely happy to receive that phone call, no doubt. Uh, lots of other stuff going on at the title as well, as far as festivals, activities. Yeah. Uh, do you have a rundown of that? Yeah, so it's on uh, Saturday and Sunday, um, you know, out at the Messina Intake Boat Launch, uh, noon to 8. we got the full MLF festival going on. You know, they're going to have uh, vendor booths and food trucks and a couple live bands playing and lots of meet the pros opportunities. So. Yeah, I mean, we're treating it like a full-on championship event and trying to celebrate uh, the pro circuit and, and the fantastic season that, that they've had this year. You want to get into points? Sure. All right, let's get into points here. So I, I sure. did a show at the end, and I wanted to make sure I had um, all this right. So run down the – I mean, it's done. The the the, the uh, pro circuit's 
series season is done, the invites will be sent out to well, who? How does that? How does the pro circuit invites work to move up to the Bass Pro Tour? And then, do you know when they have to say, "Yeah, I'm in," or "No, not my jam"? Uh, you know, I don't. I'm sure it's coming up here. You know, early November. I don't know the exact date. Uh, but basically, how it works is if you finish in the top ten of the point standings of the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit, you will receive that invitation. Uh, now that being said, you do need to finish inside that top ten. Uh, and as the Bass Pro Tour anglers that compete on the pro circuit, if they finish inside that top 10, that's we do not go down. It, that spot reverts back to the Bass Pro Tour. So this year, uh, three anglers, uh, Dakota Eber, Justin Lucas, and, and Michael Neal, champion. Uh, obviously, Bass Pro Tour competitors, so those three spots will revert back to the Bass Pro Tour. Uh, but that does mean those seven anglers that finish inside the top 10 uh, Spencer Shuffield, Josh Butler, Matt Becker, uh, Nick LeBrun, Mitch Crane, John Hunter, and Jacob Wall will receive these seven invitations up to the Bass Pro Tour next year. Now, whether or not they accept it, you know, that's a whole nother story, but they absolutely will have the opportunity uh, to, to get an invitation and to compete on the Bass Pro Tour in 2023. Okay. And then uh, the points on the there was a really good article that you guys came out with just prior to the Cayuga event that kind of put into perspective the BPT anglers who are on the chopping block, for lack yes. of a better term. Um, and this is really going to be the first year of the BPT where, where guys get cut. Sure. That's always been a weird deal in professional fishing. You have some tours that like they don't cut, and then the Elite Series had to cut, but then they still never cut, but then sometimes they cut, and now they're figuring out how to cut. It's never been, for la- no pun intended, a cut-and-dry process as far as who's on and who's off. Is that sure. weird to you? Like As much as you've done this, too, it's always kind of up in the air to me. Yeah, it, it is, and a lot of kind of factors go in it behind the scenes. I mean, you know, we have these rules in place, but then shuffling of circuits and you know all of a sudden the the pro circuit format gets changed and that tweaks you know the current rules that we have in as far as qualification structure and everything like that so it is kind of always been muddy uh like you can you mentioned the article that's on majorleaguefishing.com it it does a great job of kind of clearing that up a little bit i've got it pulled up right here in front of me to use as a kind of a resource during this conversation if you know you're asking me the tough questions but uh, you know it is something that we're trying to make more clear and and get that pathway for the anglers and and stick to it so uh, yeah that's something that we're improving on and we're looking forward to next year seeing how this process shakes out i mean we've got a system in place we're sticking to it and it is what it is like in the golf, you know, the guys, you've, you've maybe like never heard of them, but they make a putt on 16 and you see their little number go up and they're trying to stay like in the top 125. And then there's always like three or four guys who end up on the 18th hole, the last, you know, PJ Tour event of the year. And they're like, if he makes this, he's on tour next year. If not, he's back to the Corn Ferry or he has sure. to use like exemptions and stuff. I mean, that that kind of puts into perspective how important. So who do you have a list? Like, do you have an idea of who like really is? in trouble here that just those bottom six guys did anyone do themselves a world of good at Cayuga it didn't seem like any of those guys moved off of the chopping block yeah I don't have the updated stats in front of me after Cayuga so there will definitely be going into Malax some big time storylines as far as you know guys really feeling the heat and knowing they have to finish 58th or better or whatever whatever that number is but you know heading into Cayuga you know the anglers that had some work to do uh you know Jeff Crete 
Kelly Jordan, Cliff Crochet, Boyd Duckett, Mike McClellan, Jason Lambert, Shaw Grigsby, and Paul Elias. Now, you know, I've heard some rumblings that, you know, Paul was going to be retiring no matter what. Like, and I don't know that that's the case. And I haven't heard that from his, his mouth. I've just heard rumors. You know, Timmy Horton did announce his retirement. He did. He came he, on the show and talked about it. It was a really good Yeah. Show. Yeah. So it was kind of a surprise. But, you know, he Paul made the cut down. in this event. What's that? Paul made the cut. Didn't yeah. He? Yeah. He, he had a good did. event. And so did Tim. Like, Timmy yeah. did as well. So, Tim, but. It'll be interesting to see what shakes out as far as, you know, who voluntarily departs, you know, who is cut, all that. This is going to be the first season coming up here. And you mentioned the the kayak fishing league and, and the drama that goes on there. Well, yeah, more drama is coming. So get ready over the next, you know, 60 days as this all shakes out. Listen, I was perusing. I'll just read. I'll tease it for the I'll probably get into this with Tom and see what his thoughts. So. This is a, I won't even say the guy's name. It's just KFL statement regarding so-and-so. And it's got the little logo officially up front. And it says, KFL has reviewed the disturbing video from blank, blank, <laughs> sorry, from blank, blank Facebook post and has spoken with uh, both parties in regards to blank, blank's actions on the water during the KFL game between the Southern Slayers and Florida Copperheads. On the uh, Tenoric this past Saturday, Florida Copperheads has officially released so-and-so from the team, and the league has decided to suspend him indefinitely. The actions by so-and-so violate our rules and player conduct policy. The severity of so-and-so's actions resulted in this conclusion. Wow. I mean, that's like a that's like a game, that's like a press release, like right yeah. there. Like if that doesn't if that doesn't make you start perusing the interwebs to figure <laughs> out what the heck went down nothing does because i've never no, seen one I, like that before so just about to say as soon as i jump off here now i'm gonna be googling and trying to find this video yeah, and see what but the just heck the happened. use of the words you know games and teams and suspended and released and i mean you're talking like so then i like i said i dove into that and it's very interesting what they have going on there did you see the video do you know what that would happen no no i never oh, okay. got that far i think okay Based on what I could tell, based on all of the comments, it was something where he, I don't even know. It was like some, I, I some people say like refused. I don't know. I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Fair. There's no clear cut as to what he did or did not do. I think well, it may have had something to do with like getting DQ'd and then refusing to leave the water. <laughs> or, say, or playing yeah. defense. I don't know. It, it would, it sounds fun though. It's got us talking about them on Bass Talk Live. And, I, and it's got a whole new audience opened up to the KFL and going to be, yeah, Googling them, talking about them this morning. So, I mean, it, they've yeah. got teams like the Granite City Sticks, the Bayside Attack, the Massachusetts Maulers, the Maniacs, the Pennsylvania Bronzebacks. <laughs> they have like standings, I, all sorts of stuff. I can't believe that I've never heard of this league before you know i've heard of some of these various kayak leagues and i've got some friends that compete on them you know like bailey Eggbright with uh you know serious angler podcast crushing does, it. Jump, yeah yeah he's a fantastic kayak angler but i've never heard of this kfl league and these teams and this all sounds pretty cool but like you go yeah. on their website and it says the first thing there is vote for the 2022 all-star game <laughs> wow yeah interesting i i'm I'm going to take a look and maybe I can get an idea or two. It looks like they're based out of uh, Virginia. A lot of East Coast with mini boats, kayaks and stuff on all those fisheries out there. Probably a lot easier to get through all that traffic with a yak on the top or in the truck instead of a 
20 foot bass boat. Yeah, um, you got a lot of options to fish there. Don't have to travel super far to find events. All right, Joe, let's put a bow on the uh, points deal. So there's a lot of fishing left. Obviously, we have one more of the BPTs. There's also multiple BPT anglers who are fishing Bassmaster Opens, multiple qualifiers through the pro circuit who still have Bassmaster Opens left. They could catch them and qualify. They could not sure. catch them and, and, and qualify. Uh, let's do both scenarios. You have, uh, I think, like Keith Poche, Nick LeBrun, John Hunter, Cody Myers, Zach Burge. There's like six guys right there who have a, have a chance. Yep. A- a- any or all of those guys qualify. They all take a BPT spot, like, you know, Cody Myers, Zach Burge return, Poche returns. Uh, if they end up not, that goes down the BPT list of guys who would have gotten cut so the next list, so you won't know until the end of the opens technically and the invites go out and all that as to exactly who's in, right? Correct. And then yeah, also yeah. any of the pro circuit qualifiers, if they accept, obviously they go on the BPT. And those guys get cut. If they don't accept, that also goes down the BPT list then. Yep, that is correct as well. So there's the potential of only two or three or maybe one, technically one with Timmy Horton's retirement or if someone else retires and then everybody makes it and accepts or seven. Sure. Technically, yes. But that's now, not going to work we'll, out that way. Right, right. I mean, that's if everybody declines their basketball yeah. tour invitation, which I don't think gonna is going to happen. I mean, we, no. yeah, if you look at the guys that, that moved up last year from the pro circuit, you know, Dakota Ebert and Clayton Johnson, Jeremy such Lawyer. A, yeah, such great a, seasons. Making you talk money. to any one of them and ask, you know, what do they think about the Bass Pro Tour? I, I think you will get uh, an honest review, and I don't think anybody's going anywhere. So uh, I, I don't know what, what it will all shake out and look like, uh, but you are correct. If they do decline their invitation, it does go back to the Bass Pro Tour anglers. It's crazy. Yeah, if you look at the Bass Pro Tour earnings on it, like everybody inside of Red Crest right now has at least – at least forty thousand dollars in earnings, and most of them have fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty. You know, awesome. Fibra is right there in thirty ninth. He's got forty one two twenty three. But Bradley Roy, he won one one twenty four. So, anyway, what else you got, Joe? That needs to be uh, the, that uh, guys need to be on the lookout for. What's the deal? Uh, Are the toy to Toyota series is still going on, right? You still have a bunch of Toyotas left? Oh, yeah, or is yeah. That right? uh, not a bunch. There's a couple. And then, of course, the championship coming up on Gunnersville mm-hmm. in November. Uh, so that'll be a fun one. Um, title all week. I mean, for people that like watching fishing, this is going to be a good week for it. You know, they have got the day off today, but the event starts tomorrow and will run every day through Sunday. So live stream starts at 7 a.m. Or no, excuse me, 7.30 a.m. Eastern time every day. It goes till 2.30 Eastern. Uh, and then we'll have the weigh-ins as well, starting a half hour later. So uh, if you're a five-fish limit format kind of guy, we've got a lot of great stuff for you going on this week. And then, of course, coming up, Stage 7, BPT Malax. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the culmination of the season, there's going to be a lot of uh, drama and storylines coming out of that one. So it's going to be a fun couple weeks here at Major League Fishing. they got to stay in the river on this one. They do. Yep. Ontario is off limits. Interesting. I like that. That gives a, you know, you're talking current, backwaters, the islands, longer runs, a lot of, lot more different than what we've seen in the in the recent events. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good event. They're going to crush the smallmouth. I mean, we always do when you go to the St. Lawrence. But, uh, you know, last year out of Messina, we had a really great event. S- great facilities there at the Messina intake. You know, it's we're going to have the whole circus there this weekend. So it's just got <laughs> everything going? that we're looking for. What's you that? Going? 
Are you going? Uh, I'm not. My colleague Charity is up there. She'll be there throughout the week. I'll be. I'm working the the BPT at Malax, close to home. So she's going okay. to this one, and I'm going to that one. We kind of tag team. Well, that's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. Sleep in my own bed for the first time ever. I'm pretty excited. Heck yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you jumping on, clearing some stuff up, giving the details on what's going on. It's been an exciting, uh, exciting month over at uh, Major League Fishing, and uh, we'll continue for the next couple weeks. Yeah, sounds good. We'll give you guys plenty to talk about. All right. See you, Joe. All right. Take care, bud. That was Joe Bogger. Always has all of the answers there with uh, MLF. I've known him for a very long time. Uh, We are going to take our first break of the show, and when we come back, uh, Tom Reddington. I've I've had some really good uh, text conversations and some in person conversations with Tom. Um, always like kind of his take uh, when he when he sends me messages. And I was like, dude, you need to come on the show. We need to chat about some of this stuff. He's done a, a lot of stuff over the course of his career, uh, and and fish with a lot of good people, a lot of accomplishments. But uh, we will talk to Tom when we come back. BTL on a Monday, kicking off another live. Week of shows from the studio in Moore, Oklahoma. We'll be back right after this. Your key to better fishing this season is Elite FS. Now available at a new lower price. Get Elite FS9 today for $9.99. And we'll throw in a CMAP reveal chart. Our premium mapping solution for free. Elite FS works with all state-of-the-art Lorenz sonar. From chirp, side scan, and down scan imaging with fish reveal to high-resolution active target live sonar. Elite FS9 and CMAP Reveal. Offer ends August 31st. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. When you're catching fish for a living, you can't let a little cold, rain, heat, humidity, or anything else get in the way of a payday. I wear AFCO. Any fish, any water. The KVD 100 Jerkbait. 15 different colors. A perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability. 3D eyes. Premium black nickel hooks. KVD. Tie one on. Striking lures. Get the best patterns back by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. 
installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Welcome back, BTL, on a Monday. Now it's time to go to Tom Reddington, long time Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit Pro. I was looking at his stats there. He even fished as a co-angler back in 2004. That was a long time ago, Tom. How are you doing? Thanks for jumping on BTL, man. I greatly uh, greatly appreciate the time. I know this has been uh, several months in the making. Yeah, uh, really happy to be here. Last time I was on, we were eulogizing Mark Pack, so a lot more fun yeah. today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I-, I wanted to get you on... Because I always I always appreciate your uh, text to me. You always have some interesting insight as far as kind of what goes down on uh, BTL. And you seem to be one of those guys who kind of listen sometimes, like while you're driving, while you're fishing, if something kind of piques your interest, you're not afraid to say, ah, I disagree with that, or I, dis- I like this, or here's a different angle. So I figured we'd just get into a whole bunch of stuff over the yeah. next half hour if you're good. Yeah, right on. Uh First of all, you kind of did a uh, a really cool thing after uh, after the last event, and kind of turned it into a uh, a week or two of vacation afterwards, right? Yeah. So you're in upstate New York from Dallas here. That's uh, I mean, it's like 28 hours one way. So had my son fly up, and uh, he said, "Hey, I've never been to New York City." So I, I made him a deal. I said, "We'll fish a couple of days to Champlain. If if uh, I'll take you to New York City if you fish a couple of days up here." And uh, he's 16. For him to to go see the big city was a pretty cool deal. Uh, stayed right downtown there, you know, visited all the stuff. And the last time I was there, actually, we took about a thousand Boy Scouts uh, fishing in Holy Brooklyn. Cow. So <laughs> that was quite an experience. So, in Central Park? Now there's a lot of regulations in Central Central Park. So we went to Brooklyn to Prospect Park, but really, had literally a thousand Scouts there. <laughs> uh, the whole concept they wrote articles and stuff was that don't say that you're too urban that you don't have fishing opportunities near a year. They're everywhere. But, you know, with my son, we, we took in the city and then took in New York and 70 degrees and drove back 28 hours. He got an appreciation for the uh, professional truck driving life that's fast fishing. I had uh, uh, Brad Hallman and Ken Duke on the show a couple days ago. And we, Brad, and I, we, we never know where these shows are going to go. And Brad kind of took it down the path of, how uh, difficult it is to do this uh, with a family, with kids who are growing up. I know uh, your son's involved in in sports outside of that and busy, uh, and you're one of those guys that's it's kind of raised a family while fishing uh, at the professional level, guiding before that too. Uh, is it is it kind of cool to see, you know, as your your boy gets older and stuff to – be able to take them up and do things like this on that and how challenging is that to 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 kind of balance the fishing and home life for i mean basically your whole life yeah it's uh i guess the the short answer is it's it's not easy but uh i think the fishing part of it has a lot of uh positives as well straight out of college i was a, a marketing graduate i spent 10 years in the corporate world uh Fortune 100 companies, sales and marketing, so like GE and Rubbermaid and, you know, powerhouse brands like that, Irwin Tools. So I was executive platinum on an airplane all the time. When I got on the plane to go to a trade show, I didn't want to be there. I mean, frankly, it, it great money, It's uh, but I didn't want to go talk about Sharpies and uh, light bulbs for 
a week. I don't, you know, it was just traveling around. And once I started the fishing gig, I'm on the road a ton, but at least when I'm making that ride, like I want to be there. When I sit down and do the, my expense accounts for when I was traveling in the corporate world all the time, it was like reliving all the stuff like, oh yeah, I spent, oh, here's my receipt when I sat 10 hours in Atlanta trying to get back, you know, because storm. Now I, <laughs> the, the travel, it, it's always going where I want to go. If I'm on a podcast or a conference call like this, I want to be on it. It's uh, so it's, it's a lot better. And what allows you, you know, you're gone for those tournaments and there is some guilt. When my son was about six or so, he would run alongside the street when I left. Oh, I mean, it's geez. the hardest thing in the world. He's running. I mean, it's like, like you have to stay in the house. I can't handle this when I'm leaving. But the cool part is when you come home, you get to play super dad for a week. And it, when he was in kindergarten, first grade and stuff, I'd be a lot of times the only dad that in the middle of the week could come to a, a field trip to the zoo or something. And then in the off seasons we head into now, you get a lot of disposable time. Mm-hmm. So I have the freedom to to do stuff. So the fishing gig, yeah, it's, it's tough leaving the family. It's uh, I've heard Paul and say on your show before that you have to be a little selfish to do it. And, and you see a lot of guys that, you know, back in the day, I remember Kelly Jordan was the ultimate bachelor. He had, uh, he Pat kind of set him up with, he had an apartment over there in, uh, I believe, Mineola, and he just kept his lures over there. He was gone constantly. You look at somebody like currently like uh, Jacob Wheeler, like he was, he's, he's awesome because he constantly is watching fishing shows, always fishing. And then you get married and then you have a kid. It's just life. I mean, we're all people and I mean, you have sponsor obligations and stuff. So it's hard to mix all that stuff together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you see guys career tra- trajectory go down a little bit, but it's kind of on your, your life curve. It's like, I want, I, I have several different factors. I, I don't want to be uh, an A plus in fishing and an F minus as a husband or a, a uh, you know, as a father, or any of that stuff. So guys, mm-hmm. you know, that's where you see these careers where guys sometimes pull back. And then as the kids get a little bit older, maybe take off again. And you see like the lanes now, uh, you know, uncle and, and dad toured with Cal out there and then they get Cal. together. So it's, and the people that do like uh, do the camping, take the family along. I mean, that's a way to do it. That's, that's probably the best way to do it in the industry. <laughs> Dude. So like at the, at the, what are the classics the last couple of years? Like last time I had seen Cal Lane, he was like 12 putting Chris's boat on the trailer. <laughs> You know, like, and then all of a sudden we're at a classic and my girlfriend had never been to a classic. So I bring her to the, to the, uh, new, uh, uh, Texas classic, right? Right there in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, it's a good one to go to. Like, she'll be like, oh, I'm impressed. This is actually legit. And the next thing I know, we're at a restaurant and there's this dude hitting on my girlfriend and it's Cal Lane. And I was like, <laughs> wait, I know you, dude. And he's like, yeah, I was like. Wait, what are you doing? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm a fish the pro tour this year and all this stuff. And I was like, holy cow, I'm freaking old now. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's neat. You know, my girlfriend again. Yeah, it's neat to <laughs> to watch those dynamics, especially like then you look at. Uh, I was saw what like uh, uh, Marty Robinson's wife was talking like, well, do I follow Marty or do I follow my kid at the college event or do I stay with my kid at the high school <laughs> event? And then, like, obviously, like, the Rabanuses and the Howells and uh, Stephen Browning. I'm like, Lee, I, once you start naming them, you leave them all out. But it's it's yeah. nuts how many uh, how many kids grew up in this and then, you know, kind of have the blueprint to follow in the footsteps of their dads. 
Yeah. And it's, uh, I always said, there's like, there's a gene or something like that. Some people, they catch a fish and like, oh, that's cool. I, I've never taken somebody fishing when they catch one. They don't have like a, a thrill. It's, it's fun. But other people are like, okay, put it up and we might ready to go to lunch now. And then other people, they catch one and they're like, yeah, like, how do I do this? And it's been the rest of their life. And, and you take the combination of somebody like, uh, you know, the parents who are excellent at it and the kid who has the desire to do it, has that gene. It, it's pretty powerful. And you see that, you know, Scott Martin was a classic example, had the foothold oh, yeah. and now there's a, there's a now way. Hillary Sue's like dominating everything now. Like, I mean, you look at her, she's like part, she's the next cog in the machine he got he got Roland in there to get it and then Roland did the tv and the print ads and stuff and taught scott and scott took it into the digital age and now hillary is i mean she's a force to be reckoned with in the social media world and can catch them on the water too i mean i was i looked to see where they finished in the high school event that they just had on hartwell yeah that's a huge head start and uh like you said there's a whole wave of them uh i, I see them all like you said room as his kid stuff they, they had uh Randy Howell, his his son is, is on the come. And it, I tell you, I, I did the high school fishing with my son one year. And uh, even before that, there's, there's, I, I have to, it's hard to keep a straight face. You do the, the Will Ferrell straight man. But when, when somebody's struggling to put their boat on the trailer and they're backing it sideways, and I get all of us, you know, you back it straight down. And then there's a little kid, your, your son, maybe at like 10 or 12, takes the boat and just pins it, comes right at the straight, the trailer, boom. One try, you wave him up, like give her the gas, and boom, pops it up, and this guy's out there just struggling with it. I mean, it's uh, that's that's about my favorite thing to do with boat ramp. Always makes you chuckle. Yeah, uh, I want to circle back. You mentioned the corporate world. This was another thing we talked about with Bradley. How how did you get out of that and end up with the fishing and guide thing? Like how I mean, that had to be a hard cycle to break out of. Making good money, traveling, doing the thing. You've done what you're supposed to do. How did you? move on to the guiding and professional fishing from that life. If you don't mind getting into that, I mean, that's yeah. a perfect case study. It's, it's a hundred percent by design and it's, uh, okay. you know, that's the difference in our sport now, even, uh, you know, a few guys going back to the day, Gary Klein was the first kid who actually came straight out of yeah. high school, you know, his California, 19 years old. He had the blonde hair and he was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen the videos where it's like, here's a big young gun on tour, Gary Klein. Going going back to the day, you know, Rick Clun was a programmer for I think uh, like IBM even, and and uh, Bill Dance was furniture salesman. Even like I mean, we didn't have the high school fishing, the college fishing. So I knew in college I wanted to fish, and uh, so I mean I, I worked. And the way I looked at it is, like I'm going to need some uh, resources to do it, and I need some time to do it. So sales was the perfect. Uh, that was a perfect job, and I. I Grew up in Illinois. I started in Illinois, coming going farther north, and I got to fish a lot of the natural lakes in Wisconsin. I was in Milwaukee and Madison, so it's a fun time fishing. But the, the nice thing about sales is that as long as your numbers are good, they uh, they they don't harass you too much. And the other thing is, most of them play golf. So in the sunny days, if you're in the office, they're like, "Dude, this guy's a hardcore worker." As you know, it's the prefrontal days when it's rainy and cold and stuff. That's when they bite. So I would, <laughs> I'd always be in the office till like six or seven on the sunny days. The boss would be like, man, this guy works hard. In the rainy days, they think, no way he's out fishing. And I'd do it. And after five years of that, I knew I wanted to get to Texas. I wanted to get down to Lake Fork and, uh, you know, fish down here so I could fish year round and, and learn to fish a little bit differently. So that's why I started looking and uh, moved myself down there. Did another five years down here. And then it was really a five-year program at that point. 
as, as soon as I got to the five years and was vested, then, you know, I saved up as much as I could the whole time. So I had a little uh, nest egg and then started in the guiding and then worked myself through guiding, having everyday income to sustain, start fishing the, the Toyotas and, and work my way into the pros. Tougher figuring out fishing at a professional level or breaking into the ultra tough guide scene down there around Lake Fork. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's uh it's not as bad. Some of the striper guides, the stories, I mean, slashing tires and just, it, it's crazy. Thankfully, uh, you know, I, I get along well with most people and, and, uh, okay. They, there was, uh, I, I took a year off. I, I felt kind of sheepish about taking people, uh, fishing. So, so I took a year off and said, I'm going to fish every day out here. And I'm just going to try stuff. I'm going to try every area of the lake. You know, if I know I can catch them on a jig, then I'm going to force myself to try a jerk bait. If I can catch them in Birch Creek, well, I'm going to leave. And I'm going to basically I practice for a year. And word kind of got around. Uh, and I had actually gone in my corporate days with some of the guides. So I had a little relationship. But there's this guy, all he does is just fish every day. He's got a guy next year. So I already had like a reputation. They were a little suspicious. But thankfully, I got to know a couple of the guides, John Tanner and uh Mark Pack specifically, and they help me at it. And it, like anything else, if they vouch for you, then uh, you. it goes a long ways. So that kind of eased me into it. And once these guys said, "Hey, this guy's cool," and then I did some of the the co angling with them, uh, like I said, back in two thousand four to the FLWs and stuff. So kind of got my feet wet and and feel like I paid my dues, worked my way up. How many days were you guiding at the peak? I, you know, with a the kid then, especially a young one, I. I dial the back but easily doing uh 175 200 and that's about as much you want to do yeah is it is that is is it easy to burn out on that i've <laughs> I've talked to a lot of guys and there's a lot of guys who don't want to talk about it like on the show but there's yeah. guys who you don't even realize they guided and they guided for five years and they say i'd rather do anything else than guide but then you talk to other guys who like i look at like a matt reed like dude that guy like genuinely loves going out and catching fish yeah. and it seems like he's got a setup you see what josh douglas is doing up there in in minnesota now you're seeing a bunch of guys that do this weird hybrid electronics class guiding type thing but like just the old school, nitty gritty, not knowing who you're taking out, have someone with high expectations showing up and not knowing their skill level. That's that's like seems to really take a mental toll on a lot of guys all over the years. Yeah, that's I, I was like a year in and I'm think I'm, I'm coming out of the corporate world. I got to go fish every day. So I'm like, this is great. And I was at a, a trade show and the uh, pack was there and Kelly and, and pack said, so you hate guiding yet? No, man, I love it. I got to go fish every day. He's like. He's like, you will. I was like, no, no, I like it. He said, no, no, you will. He's like, Kelly, Kelly, what do you think, God? You hate it? He's like, yeah, I hate it. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a lot of guys. <laughs> so I was like kind of expecting it to come. But, uh, you know, you, you take a number of guys who are skilled, that are fun in the boat. Those days are, it's just like going fishing with buddies. And there's sometimes when it's a wide open pattern, you're fishing as well. Everybody's catching them. It's a great time. There's other times where it's a total instructional trip, and I'm fine with that, too. Like, I always felt, felt like I could always teach him something. It's the ones that really didn't have, they didn't fish very much, and it was a striper trip. They just want to come and just, like, blast them, but they couldn't fish. And it's, uh, I mean, if it's a technical bite or something, you have to pitch it and let it fall right next to a tree, or you're, you know, just crawling it through the bottom or having to put it on the dock post or something. Like, like you can't say, well, I'll give you a $100 tip or $500 tip and, like, put me on a 10-pounder. 
it's not like a deer ranch where it's like, okay, we'll go to the feeder. And if you can just hold his gun steady, you got him. <laughs> There's some skill there. So those, those trips were harder, but the, the biggest thing for me when I transitioned was just that, like, I kind of felt like I got in a rut at Fork. I was doing the same thing over and over. You have preconceived notions of how to catch him. It's changed now with live scope. You know, we, a lot of that you had to visualize and catch him. But it's like, okay, if it's February in the morning, I'm going to run Birch Creek. I'm going to run Creek Channels. Afternoon, I'm going to get up some grass and trap it. it. There wasn't that growth. And I got to the point where if I'm going to become better as a tournament fisherman, I, I need to go fish you know, a shaky head up on Beaver Lake or a, a jerk bait on Table Rock. I don't need to go flip up another eight pounder on Lake Fork in the grass. It's fun, but I'm not learning anything. So that was the biggest motivator to move on. And that then you kind of started moving on from the guiding in what year? Oh, three, four years ago now. Yeah. Maybe you, probably 18, 19, somewhere around there. Is that a deal where you have visions of, oh, maybe I might get back into it a little bit? Or is it yeah. is it a phase that you're glad you did? You grew as an angler, and it's in the past now. Yeah, I think I would do it a little bit differently now. It's uh, I, I look at the model. My son with youth sports, uh, baseball, and, and like you can't pitch or hit. Every single kid on those elite teams has. I mean, they have more coaches than uh, their professional athlete. I swear. So, and they're giving up 60, 80 bucks for a half hour to do this. I'm thinking, how do I crack into that? Where I do these lessons, and these guys are ones that. They they pitched at uh, Southeast Northwestern Oklahoma State, you know something like that for mm-hmm. one year or something. And they're they're pulling down this money thinking with all these high school fishing and stuff. Maybe there's something. And I enjoy the, the teaching aspect more. That's there's nothing more to worry. If somebody wants to learn how to use their live scope. Somebody wants to learn how to scout a lake or something. That's where it's fun and uh, go down and catch them. So I think getting back into it, it is decent money. And we have big off seasons. One one year to the next would be a little bit different, but it's uh, if you do it more in the, the learning, the teaching, it's a lot more enjoyable. Awesome. We're talking with uh, Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit Pro Tom Reddington, uh, BTL on a Monday. When when we come back from the break, Tom, I want to get into uh, you are a, you're a solid professional angler. Like, you know, statistically, you're not a top one percenter. You're not a bottom 20. You are the meat and potatoes of what the lifeblood of professional tournament fishing is. Fair assessment? Sure. Uh, You've won. You've caught them. You've made titles. You've had great years. You've had bad years. You're the guy. I want to get your take on kind of the health of professional fishing and what you think the right formula is to allow the maximum number of guys to to make a living at doing this for their family, to support their family without getting ulcers and going insane after five years of trying to do it. Fair? Sound good? Yeah. All right. We'll get into that when we come back. BTL on a Monday with Tom Reddit. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. 
They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md welcome back talking with tom reddington who i didn't know i did not know you had a professional background in marketing and sales yeah, I, was un- I was unaware of that. And I think that takes this whole interview in a different direction because I would like to know, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time now. How many guys are maximizing their potential that are professional fishermen? And how many are leaving money on the table and saying, oh, I can't do this. This is so hard. I'm living off the credit card thing and just don't understand how to maximize their potential as far as dollars and earnings. I would say a few years ago, probably a lot more were leaving a lot on the table. In today's day and age, uh, social media and YouTube have really forced uh, pros to to step up the marketing side. And it's you take somebody like a Edwin Evers, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when you're winning like he was, I mean, that's all he needed to do. And he would just go on the, the speaking circuit a bit. He would maybe they'd give him a TNN uh, fishing show or something. Like now he sees the whole YouTube game and here's Edward out there hustling and, and putting out some of the best uh, content on YouTube that's out there. You know, Christie's the same way. There's a guy that 15 years ago, he's just the guy he's Denny Brower. He's like, you know, all the endorsements are enough. So I, a lot of the guys are good. And the, the next generation of guys, like all of them, my story is not u- unique. I mean, they're, they're all hustlers. These guys, they're, uh, you know, I look at the the young generation. I, I've gotten around to know a number of the guys that are they're headed up to the BPT next year. You look at like a Jacob Wall and uh, Matt Becker and stuff. Guys like that, great buck. Another uh, great example. These are smart, like college educated guys that are they hustle. They're they're doing guiding on the side. They're doing marketing stuff. They're figuring out new sponsors. I mean, they're constantly hustling. So 
the day of you know, just sit back and uh, and and not doing the marketing side, that's that's become a huge part of it. And it's more traceable now because when you have likes and, and follows, all that stuff, it's there in plain sight for people to see. So sponsors aren't guessing anymore. I mean, they want the metrics. They they track them pretty extensively. You've done, you've been, uh, we mentioned Scott Martin before. You've like rolled with that whole crew before. You've seen how that production goes down. I've talked with Bradley about it and he's like, dude, he's like Scott Martin, like it, from the second he wakes up, he goes, he doesn't even fall asleep. He said he passes out because it's work, 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 work. And then boom, he's asleep on the couch for four hours. And all of a sudden it's morning. It's work, work, work again. Uh, it, you've been in the house. You've seen that you're friends with them. Is that a, very impressive to see how much he understands every angle. Yeah, there, there's the old uh, saying. You know, a lot of guys are born on, or you know, they, these trust fund kids, they're they're uh, they're born on third base and they think they hit a triple. And there's other guys that take it and like uh, you just run with it. And, and Scott, early in his career, I, I run with him since I started. Pack put us mm-hmm. together, so that's going way back to like 2008 or something. And he actually. He, he tried to do different brands than his dad. Uh, he, he didn't want his dad handing him stuff, but he had that that insight and the drive to do it. And I, I know Bradley said the same thing. There's After these tournaments, if you don't do well, if you do well, I mean, you just want to decompress. Not Scott. He's like, as soon as the tournament's over, uh, he, he's filming a show after it, going somewhere in the off days, just go, go, go. He's He is one of the hardest guys, hardest working guys in the industry, and, and that applies to all of them. It's you think that they just roll out of bed and these guys are, they're bright, they're hardworking. I mean, they get after it. And we all say that, yeah, yeah, I should, uh, I should work on drop shot this off season or, or man, I, you know, if I had a weedless hook, I'd probably catch a few more here. The, the amount of, uh, annuity, someone like Scott would, uh, he was, he'd be out there tinkering at midnight, like super gluing stuff and making his own little weed guards and stuff. It, it, we're all, that's, that's that aggregating those little marginal gains that, that, Tenth of a percent that if you do twenty five of those makes a difference between a Tom Reddington and a Scott Martin and a David Dudley and all these guys, Michael Neal's that just kill it. I guess it's almost like a pitcher is able to add some, you know, a little bit different something to his pitch. Like everyone's at that major league level, but if you can do like a little bit of tighter rotation or something different with your timing or something, it just gives you that little bit of edge. Because once you reach it, I mean, everyone who's out there can catch him. You wouldn't be on the tour if you couldn't catch him. And that's where the little differences make. Like for the weekend guy who's just learning it, those differences don't make a difference to him because you're, to, in my opinion, because you're still, it doesn't matter whether you're tweaking your whopper plopper or adding an extra weed guard or making it between a 32nd and 16th ounce fall because you need to get the basics and the foundation to where you get to the point where then that does make the difference. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, and the other thing is you fight so hard for these little things. And somebody who's really good, like uh, Jay Ellis had that magical year yeah. 15, 20 years ago now. The Bass Tricks Minnow, the Hollow Belly Swim Bait. 2008, wasn't it? Yeah, nobody had it. I mean, he, he dominated that year. He'd go around to uh, like a Beaver Lake. He went there right at the takeoff and like just thumped them for four days. They'd never seen this thing. And word didn't get out till about a year after. Now it's the guys, when I was coming up, KVD, I mean, I tried to emulate everything. His pattern, covering water and reaction baits and stuff, rack action, it, it took a while. All of us caught on. And uh, so his the head start he had on guys, uh, you know, took a while for guys to close that gap. Now somebody like John Cox got to, gets in a big roll, roll. 
Well, I mean, that stuff's there on live immediately. And his his method of power and finesse mixing that uh, people catch on to it in one tournament. I mean, by the end of the season, you've seen so much of it. It's hard to stay ahead with that stuff. So it's almost like the guys that are do something a little different or have a different approach. <laughs> like everybody's going towards it. And that's, that's all of sports. You know, if the, if one team wins the Super Bowl, it's, uh, they have a really aggressive pass rush, three, four defense. Then the next year, everybody's trying to get the edge rushers. And it, so it's a copycat league and fishing too. And the, it, the, the sweet spot seems like right now, it's like if the last time we're at the tournament, uh, everybody caught them in the trees and live scope, well, then the shell is going to be open. And, uh, you know, same with this, whatever's the, the prevailing technique, uh, it's, it's the money ball concept. If everybody wants this, then, then you have to do something a little bit different. So you keep on seeing that, that, that shift, but it's so quick now. Because people with live, everybody just so fast. Yeah, it's insane. Have you noticed that? I mean, you fished some of the opens, too, so you're talking 230-boat fields. That seems blatantly obvious, especially this year to me in the opens. Like, I was like, I need to go do what the big fish deal is, and I, I do all the research. And, well, there's 80 people there now. Like, before when I was like, oh, I'll go mess around with the little worm, you wouldn't see anybody. But when you do what, you know, when you actually do your homework, it's almost counterproductive in some ways. The more you know... Like the less original, your your thought process is coming into these events. I, I I would agree and disagree at the same time because to me, it's become, it's like it. I've you can see it. basically look at the last the last time there was a major tour there and what was done and whatever the prevailing pattern was. Like you know everybody's going to do it. And you write that off, and it's like it's like you know what not to do almost mm-hmm. like if you go to Harris chain and these two lakes fire, and those are the key ones, everybody's going to spread the practice up there. The other one's going to be wide open. So the, the guesswork of uh, what everybody's going to do, it, it almost, it lines it up. It, it's like this beacon saying, don't do these things. Don't go to this section of the lake. That's going to be hammered. So all this other, if ever it was one out deep, then shell is going to be wide open. We're all guilty of it, but it makes it, uh, it's a tool. Now you just know what, what the underappreciated or what, you know, a less pressured uh, patterns of places are going to be. Uh, I I went to break talking about I wanted to get kind of your thoughts on the industry and stuff. And based on some of the texts you sent me and stuff, uh, I kind of get like you feel like the, the sport with the both tours is, is in a really good place right now. Fair assessment? Yeah, I think it's going the right direction. And like at least from an angler's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, like you want both leagues to do well. You want to uh, I came out here and grow the sport, grow the sport, like grow the sport is soccer has been growing the sport forever. Every kid, you know, plays soccer as a kid, like more kids playing soccer is not getting it over the hump. Uh, it's growing the audience and competition is good. Uh, different models for bass and major league fishing, but they're having to, to try to one up each other and, and grow the audience. And maybe for the first time ever, you know, I'm 10 years ago, we never would have thought that uh, people making duck calls and, you know, which is duck dynasty, or my favorite show, like Gold Rush, watching people dig in the dirt, basically oh, doing nothing in a week's time. They patch a conveyor belt, uh, they fix a water pump, and you know they just pour dirt into a machine. You know, who would have thought we watched that? And you know, if we ever, if we ever uh, turn this into a real sport where it's as pros, instead of having to do sponsor deals and sit on here and kind of blatantly plug sponsors, but on, in off season are out there training and, and working on your game all the time. And you're starting to see it, like you said, uh, prior with Joe, the guys on the BPT are starting to, uh, you know, 40th on the money list mm-hmm. is 
decent money. It's getting better. So I think it's headed in the right direction. But they, like what BPT or Major League Fishing is doing now with the team setups and stuff, you got to keep on throwing stuff. And we're kind of anchored by, well, I grew up with a five fish limit and this is how I like it. And these formats, that's the difference between what I want to do on my weekend if I'm fishing a fruit jar versus do we want the sport to be in, in the business world. You got to keep on coming with ideas and, and grow it. And just because it's not that way now, we used to always get what they called opportunity budget. It's uh, I, I know you had a great year last year, but we need 50% more. I have no idea. It's not realistic. <laughs> Go figure it out. And it, it goes back to the, like when I grew up on a farm, if the cows were in a cornfield, it's a, like, it's, it's a pain in the butt. The, the neighbor's fence is the reason they got down. Might have to march them across the river. Might have to put them on a trailer, bring them back. It's like, I don't know that I have the answers, but the thing is, like, I, I think what you're seeing from Major League Fishing is them saying, we want to make this into a, a audience sport, a, like a stick and ball where there is an audience, and maybe for the first time it, make it more lucrative. And we don't know the ways yet, but we're going to go. The cows are in the cornfield. We want them back in the yard, in the barnyard. Let's figure out a way. And then you keep throwing stuff, and it's different, and it's not what we grew up with, but it, it moves, moves us towards that, that goal. Okay, I get that, but let's get let's go a little deeper in this. So here's here's where here's my sticking point on this. I I I am with you. I'm a I'm an angler now. Like I mean, I've dedicated myself the last three years. Yeah. I'm gonna fish every single open. I want to be a professional angler. I'm also incredibly attached to the history and the tradition of the sport and the context that wins and tournaments and accomplishments and numbers have with the sport to put into context to see how important it is. Now, I know that, you know, if you're Tom Reddington, history and tradition means nothing if you're not able to feed your family doing it, right? And if you're not seeing a path forward, like, that's great. Like, I go around and around with Justin Lucas on this, like, dude, what, like, what, why don't you want to win the classic? And he's like, dude, I'm providing for my family i'm on a great platform i'm making great money he's like if that becomes the number one goal in my career at some point then i will go for it but right now i freaking love what i'm doing right but to me like as now the media side of me is saying what about the history what about the tradition you go to the every fish counts you're trying to expand the audience they've kind of gone away from the soccer mom stuff but they were on that for the first like year or two like try to draw that in i'm like there's no history there there's no tradition there you can't and i think is there a way to continue to expand it and, and test these new things to see if there is a way to actually get it outside of the bubble that we've been in for so many years while maintaining that history and tradition? Or am I just old school and need to understand that in, in capitalism and the way that it works, sometimes, sometimes you have to go a completely different way to make something new. You see what I'm saying there where my like allegiance is I want to look back and say, here's all these traditions and history but yeah, it, but I, that's also restricting me then yeah yeah my, my favorite sport's baseball and i love the fact that you can look at Babe Ruth's 60 home runs back in 1927 and compare it and the game's relatively the same you can you can compare those stats somebody's on base percentage a 400 on base percentage was spectacular back in the 30s it's spectacular now they, they tweak the mound and stuff so so i get it i i like the same thing and but then you also look at some games, you know, the, the NBA, when you put in the uh, three-point line and stuff to change yeah. the game. So it's Allowed not dunking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
they took it out for specific reasons yeah. and put it back in. But I think the, the biggest thing here that we're talking about is the sport that, that you and I love that we grew up with is kind of a club sport. It's, uh, you know, it, it's like if the NFL played and the audience were guys who played college football and high school football only. So there's a lot of people, a lot of people very passionate about it. I mean, we argue and stuff, but th- that's a smaller audience. The product is a TV sport. And that's what Major League Fishing is trying to do, something that the general, that somebody is going to sit down and watch. And a lot of those elements, the, the thrill of the catch and stuff, I mean, it, it carries over. And you still have the, the weigh-ins. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still the are same. Weigh-ins thing. antiquated at this point. Are, are weigh-ins on the way out? Well, it's. Uh, you think we'll have weigh-ins in five years? Yeah, at I any don't know. professional level. I th- I, there's still there's the drama of that, but the audience mm-hmm. you get there versus the audience you can reach on live, and uh, you know, activating in a, some of these. It's a small town in the middle of upstate New York or something versus the the TV audience. I mean, ask the NFL, uh, you know, the people that come there and buy uh, beers and, and jerseys at a game. Hey, it's great extra revenue, yeah. but it does. It pales in comparison to the, the hundreds of millions that the TV product brings in. We're not that big, but I mean, that's the much bigger product. And unfortunately, you know, you're looking at two different things like the the audience that if it's a spectator audience, the people that watch it didn't necessarily don't fish themselves. Uh, I mean, it, it's so it's really a different product. And those people that we're trying to pull in and you look at, uh, to me, you and me, Kevin Van Dam is the King. When I do high school fishing with my son and talk to those kids hardly even recognize who KVD is. A few of them do, but I mean, it, it's shocking. Yeah. And it, it, these guys are, so our, our mindset of it, what we like and stuff in the business world is it's changing. Gen, the millennials, Gen Z are coming you know, they're all about Scott Martin, Jacob Wheeler, the, the current guys, the different, you know, the, the Guggen squad. That's what they see. And that's who you're trying to market to. So we can we can keep this antiquated concept of, hey, this is what we grew up with. I mean, I think it's fantastic. I love doing it. I love the five fish format. But if you're trying to make it a TV sport, an audience uh, sport, you kind of have to do what, what's going to keep an audience. I wonder if they'll ever be like a a way to watch it live other than being out in the boat, like in a boat, like, will there ever be like a stadium where you've got bleachers on the side and you've got the final three guys that are so like the first, so this is like when Basson live, right? We were on the water, had like, had like uh laptops that were like the cops had with firewire cables to, to flip cameras. And then we would, we would stream the stuff back to Jeffries who had like all this stuff set up in the hotel room. And then we'd go live for like half an hour. It was no one had ever done it before. Like, you know, on the tournament, there'd been some stuff live before, but not during a tournament. Well, we hit the jackpot. We had that event in Florida where Grant Goldbeck and Shaw Grigsby were in the pond on the Harris chain. And we broke into the senior living center there and knocked on the door and i think his name was like jim and jim was like 80 and we're like jim do you have the internet and he's like ah oh, yeah i don't know how to use it my son gets me on there and i was like well we do this thing on the internet can we go in your backyard on your dock and see these guys in the fancy boats there and they're literally in a little pond it was a stadium right and everyone around was all the 
blue hairs and guys. I mean, dude, they were cooking hot dogs. They were cheering on it. And you had Grigsby here at 50 yards away. You had Goldbeck, and they're both locked up on six-pound betting fish, and they're so far ahead of everybody. You knew one of them was going to win, and we streamed it live, and the numbers went through the roof. You know, I'm sitting there in person watching, and I'm going, dude, this is a stadium spectator feel for this right now. But I, I just don't think with the size of the playing field, there's ever going to be a time that you can keep the purity of it while allowing people to see it in, in person like that. But that's like an ideal scenario. Yeah, and I guess the closest would be like when they did Megabucks years ago and, and the first couple of days were on like Richland Chambers and then they came to White Rock Lake in Dallas and they used to have those whole courses and, and that was pretty much bank beating. So like, I mean, that's an urban lake in Dallas. You could, you could yeah. pretty much watch them, but it's, that's the magic of TV. Uh, I, I'm in Dallas, so that I love to go to Rangers games, Cowboys games, but a lot of times it's like when I go there, it's the feel and the energy when, like if they're making a playoff run or something, it's that collective feel. But when you watch it on TV, it's just easier. It's less hassle, and you're part of it. You get all the, the views. And like at Redcrest this year, when, when Bobby's making that run at the end of the, the thing, I mean, it's uh, you can have watching parties, maybe do something like that where people get together. But like whether you're at home watching that or you're in a stadium watching it live, like you put yourself in that position. You feel like you're there. You feel like you're part of it. And that's the magic of TV and live. It's the, it's the same reason you watch the British Open and watch a guy who like has a five stroke lead and just is cratering on the last day. And like, you're not even a golf fan, but it's just like, I mean, it's, it's a train wreck. You can't, you can't turn away or the guy comes from behind. It's like, you put yourself, like you visualize yourself as being that person. You feel it. You're vested in it. You watch a, a bowl game in Eastern Carolina versus uh, Midwest Tennessee or something like that. And they're playing and you, you don't know anybody, but all of a sudden it's like, Dude, it's in third overtime. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah now you're into it. In. It's the theater of you, you create the drama, and that's every fish count. Uh, you know, more times, it, a lot of times it happens with the five fish too. But, but every, every fish, fish counts, count. a lot more back and forth blows and to create more drama. Crazy, you know, Doug Flutie, throw the Hail Mary at the end, catch it in the end zone, beat Notre Dame, crazy finishes. Yeah. The one thing I don't think that pro fishing has embraced that other sports have that would create drama that would create uh you know a feel of connection is is rivalries like you don't hear you hear it everything like yeah i, I really want to beat that guy i don't like him i don't like what he stands for my whole goal i train harder in the off season to beat that guy right there you know that guy has a grand slam i want that grand slam that guy in every rivalry think about like how many like like the hockey matchups back in the day it was like bob probert versus ty domi like, you had, like, the rivalry there, man. You knew they were going to drop the gloves in the first period. We've had s some mild rivalries in fishing, and they've blown up online and stuff, but we haven't had, like, a real healthy, what I would call, head-to-head -head rivalry where you pick a side and it's your guy versus your buddy's guy. Like, you want to talk about, like, creating allegiance and not wanting to miss anything? Now you've got skin in the game because either your guy wins or that guy wins and they don't like each other. And now you've, now I think you've completely opened up the door to a lot more allegiance and a lot more, quote, fandom guys who have a vested interest in it. Because it's not just, oh, I like that guy and he caught him. Now it's my guy versus your guy. Yeah. And it's, uh, so right now, to me, it, like, 
you may have your favorite pros and say it's on like like you fish grand a lot so if it's yeah. it's on grand and it, edwin's going to be there and christy's going to be there you may want to watch them to see what they do because you're a hardcore grand guy but i don't care if they let in joe smith local and he's catching 38 pounds a day like you're a fan of that catch you know like that's mm-hmm. the catch is what you're a fan of probably more than anything with the whole team concept and they've tried it like both bass and uh, major league fishing going back to fl day WDAs have tried the the brackets and more head to head. Ultimate match fishing was a great yeah. theater with there with guys in the same boat going that at it. That was awesome. But I think the team that's that's the one thing that team format gets, and you get a little bit of that rivalry, and you get guys that like two buddies, but man, they go at it pretty hard. Or you get people that you can tell just like they're actually motivated because uh, they don't particularly like this guy or whatever. So they don't they want to get that. beat by that guy. And it, it, the other thing about our sport. Versus you know, golf, you had to be well-rounded as well. But you take a look at, say, uh, a famous basketball player, Dennis Rodman. If he was in pro fishing, like, he's he's like a one-trick pony. He's like a flipping machine, or he's like a ledge guy. Dominates every ledge tournament. He was a defensive rebound guy. He would never make it a pro fishing. With this team format, Dennis Rodman is, like, one of the number one teammates you want. Or a guy who's a knockdown uh three-point shooter. In baseball, you get a left-handed reliever. The dude, he'll mow down every left-hander. A right-hander will take him yard every time. Or, you know, you get these specialists. So the team format allows some of that where you have, like, okay, we've got uh, Randall Tharp on our team. We're going to Florida. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Tharp's like, he's going to he's gonna go crazy and hammer him. Now we're going to ledge tournament. Oh, we got Lambert. Like, dude, like, watch this guy go. And allows some of those specialists to uh, – to do well, or right now you have to be a, just a total generalist and watching some of those specialists do their thing uh, is kind of adds to some of those games. You love that scat back or that, that five, six, uh, you know, third down back in football who can just run around crazy. If you had made him, if he had to be your full-time running back, not very good. Or the, the edge rusher who's just like, he can't, you know, he couldn't tackle a single guy as a ball carrier, but he's a specialist back in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see where the team concept goes. I like it. I liked the first one. I've talked a lot. I've, I've promoted the heck out of that to have people go go watch that from from what M, uh, MLF did. Uh, I think it's real easy to make it kind of hokey, but I also think it's really easy to really generate a lot of interest in it. I think that's a fine line between eh, kind of kind of cheesy and dude, this is the most badass thing I've ever seen. Like, it's like one or the other, you know what I mean, in my opinion. Uh, And we've seen it with what they've done with the TTBC back in the days with the original team concept. But uh, Jeffers used to talk about it back in the day as far as having franchises. That's one of the reasons why I brought up that kayak fishing league that I came across. Because had you ever heard of that, Tom? No, no. It's like the first one. I I don't know. I promise you the inbox will be, hey, you know, all this stuff. I don't know. I think it's in like its second or third year. The kayak world is the Wild West right now, um, but they've got like a fantasy league. They've got all sorts of stuff on it, but they've got, you know, teams and they're releasing guys and picking guys up and home games. And from an outsider who knows nothing about it, I look at it and that interests me, right? Like I'm looking oh, yeah. at that going, okay, is there an Oklahoma team? Who's I want to know if there's an Oklahoma team and I'm looking at it and I didn't see one, but uh, I mean, they've got the Southwest, the Southeast, the Piedmont, the Northwest, the Atlantic, and the Northeast Division, and they literally have standings. They have divisional records, points for, points against, which I guess are inches. 
their plus minus differential, you know, how many inches their team has versus the other, yeah. what their win loss record is, you know, the Coosa Kingfishers, the Southern Slayers, the Florida Copperheads, the Deep South Kraken, the Sunfish State Swamp Donkeys. You know, right now they're two and four. They have a 840.25 inches for 1,066.25 inches against. Like, as a guy who knows nothing about it, like, it's very familiar. Like, I, I want to follow this now. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're trying to follow that. that I mean, that's we, like you talked about. Uh, the press oh, the Oklahoma Outlaws does have a team, apparently. <laughs> there you Hold go. on. Let me, oh, yeah, they do. I might have to get an Oklahoma Outlaws on the show to see how this works. Yeah. Thank you, Luke. I don't know how I missed that. Oh, they're the very last team on the entire page of the standings. Huh. Got to do a little recruiting for them. All right, we've been all over the all over the map here, Tom. What else do you want to? What else do you want to get in? Uh, you know, I just say on that the uh, it's uh, the, the format. So, so one you talked about it with Joe, but it's the press release and the NFL, the Major League Baseball and stuff. They have a draft in their off season. They have the hot stove league where you have the free agency. That's where you know some of this. Uh, we've always kind of hit stuff in professional fishing if there's there's problems or or issues there. And, uh, you know, you have that, that off-season drama to keep it in the forefront. And, and the other thing with that is golf kind of went through the, the same. Tiger Woods really drove the, the dynamic, got really popular, kind of fell back. The industry as a whole uh, really dropped off. And now you're looking at, uh, I saw an article this week, the Top Golf and some other place I'm not aware of, I guess, Putt Zone. But that's not traditional fishing. Those are those are driving the industry. They're making huge money. Top Golf, that's not traditional golfing I, I go with my buddies there i gave up golf after business and uh it's i mean you're playing who can hit it the farthest or, or you play these little games if you can put it in the, the hole yeah, and stuff it's point. it's not traditional and that's kind of what fishing where they're looking at and and to me to put a bow on it that's what i love about fishing i grew up stream fishing on the farm wet waiting throwing little uh floating jerk baits for smallmouth, you know, a 14 inch was a monster. 12 was a great fish. I love going out West. I love stream fishing. Uh, you know, I've done, you can worm and barber, you can troll, you can deep sea fish. And that's the beauty of fishing. Whether you're a little kid or somebody older, you can do it so many ways. And I think we, we waste so much time, like us hardcore guys arguing about how this or that change is destroying the, the format and, and live scope and forward facing sonar is destroying it. And, I hate people that sight fish and all this stuff. Like we, we tear apart our own industry the whole time. It's like, I love all of it. It's fun to catch my live scope. The first time I video gamed him on, on ice fishing, I hate ice fishing, but the first time I got to do it, it's cool to do it. I if you know, want I've it, done that too. ice fishing. I was like, this is fun. This is not at all what I envisioned. Yeah. And you can do it. If you don't like it, if you don't like forward facing sonar, like go flip trees. And I mean, it's a little different when you're a pro, you have to do what works, but the rest of it, the beauty of it is, it's just as fun sometimes to go sit on the dock, take a six pack and just catch some catfish or a carp. Like who cares? It's, it's not a bass. It pulls hard. And it's sometimes you just like to catch bluegill under the dock, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of change, but I mean, it's fishing. It's all fun. It's time on the water. And uh, I mean, it, it's a sport we all grew up loving. Everybody that's from a pro to a weekender, it's the thrill of catching fish. So get back to the, you know, do whatever, float your boat literally and and go catch some fish that's some fun doing it. it's recreation we can sit at home and watch msnbc or fox and argue about that crap 
all day long or the whole point of get on the water is get away from the drama. So well stated. Thank you, Tom. I greatly appreciate it. That was fun. I need to definitely get you back on uh, BTL in the near future. Thanks for taking the time. Plus you've got uh, your, uh, your leveling skills are very impressive with those uh, pictures in the background. Like that's a, that's a danger. If you're off a degree, like that, that sticks out like a sore thumb, and those are the, the truest, most 90-degree angle, well-placed plaques and stuff in the background that I've ever seen. Yeah. That, that, the that, spacing that, that, is phenomenal. That's not me. My, that's my cohabitant, and she, uh, she has to do uh, conference calls all the time. So it's the fact that I get to get on, get on here, and in my, uh, you know, you have to uh, curate an image in, in the business world, and you're always on cue like us. It's you hold out the fish and, and you could be in a, a cutoffs and a torn up shirt and stuff. And, a, you know, we care about the important stuff, not it's less about the uh, the BS. It's all about how big the fish is. So it's a lot better. Clay's, Clay's claiming those things behind yours wallpaper. Those are hung, right? Now those are actual framed and hung. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how true they are. Like how square they are. That's not wallpaper. Those are perfectly square. Are you an organization freak? I know you said you didn't do that, but are you like, are you a guy that has to be organized or are you disaster? You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm, uh, super anal on some stuff and other stuff's like, just, uh, like where you, uh, you know, I, I like to have stuff in a certain area, but I don't have the, uh, I used to take, uh, a number of, especially it's, it's the guys who would come over from Japan, those anglers that had the, the tackle boxes, like everything in the little cellophane and stuff, everything in spot like that, that's too much. But yeah, I definitely like to have be organized. And I was the one running around the, with, uh, Aerie and, uh, Upshaw and Scott and stuff. And then later Cox and B-Lat. I was running around to like cleaning off the countertops and like all of because the trash wasn't taken out stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little anal on that. Upshaw's crazy. I've never seen someone order so much stuff online every single tournament. It's always like every day I come back, there's a different box there and I, I don't even look who it's for. I just go like, put it on his bed. Yeah. It's uh that, that, that first day of practice when, when you look back at the end of the year, you buy that stuff on the way home or you put it in your box and you unload the boat. I'm kind of in that process now. And you're like, like I, I bought this day one of practice and never even used it at a tournament. And that's why you have just a garage full of crap at the end of the season. But yeah, Andrew would, he would do a deep dive on, on he all still that. does. He, catches he still does. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not ripping him. I mean, the guy's got a Toyota championship. He's fishing the classic as the college angler, and he's got a FLW tour championship. That's more than a lot of us could say. Yeah, and it, it drives me crazy because the, uh, the, you know, the rusty one you use in practice, you use the old one, you don't change the hooks. You're trying not to lose one. fish. Yeah, and, and you can't get the no. thing to let go of it. And they're like, oh, i got to put the good, you know, the good hooks on it, and then you lose them all. So damned if you do, damned if you don't, I guess. Good stuff. All right, Tom, thank you very much. I know I kept you longer than the half hour. I said I kept you for a full hour, but I thought it was uh, I thought it was a very entertaining uh, and educational uh, segment. Yeah, I hope I killed somebody else's drive. That's the uh, man. I, we're all sports junkies and the long roads, the long rides. They can put me uh, on iTunes. They put me on two times speed and only have to listen to me half, half the time. So that's a major bonus. Yeah, I know a lot of guys listen to BTL on 2X. And yeah. I did it, and I just, I just like giggle when I it's, hear myself talk on two X. No, two X is so I do a time and a half to two X. If I listen to to somebody, uh, you know, some of the, the slower speakers two times uh, is fine. 
But the, the, the funny part is when you take it back to regular speed with the oars, if, if I want to hear something specifically, like, what, what did they say? Because some of the stuff, it, there's pretty good nuggets put out there. But uh, it sounds like you have a head injury. It's mm-hmm. awesome. So you listen at two times speed and I go to normal and all of a sudden it's, Oh, I don't know. So it's, oh, I yeah. injury The best someone did that before Jeffrey's retired, and I went back and listened to one of the arguments we had on two X. Sounded like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh yeah. She yeah. plowed through so much stuff. I mean, it kills the podcast. The greatest that is for a pro fisherman. It's got to be like one of the best things you can. Get first had serious xm radio and all that but now the podcast you can listen to good content and uh, it kills man those drives are as you know brutal but the watching the, or listening to podcasts on the ride have totally changed the game on that good deal all right tom thanks dude my pleasure see you that was tom reddington long time uh pro circuit pro also fishes the opens uh smart dude uh really enjoyed that conversation so uh take a quick break uh, come back, set the week up uh, on what's ahead for BTL. BTL on a Monday. We'll be back after this. Combining one of the most popular hook styles with Gamakatsu's beefier Superline offering, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The round bend offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-aught, 3-aught, 4-aught, this is the most durable worm hook, Designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish. And your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity. And failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon nylon and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence the new android series is the peak of the denali lineup and offers the ultimate denali experience the android series features 36 ton multi-directional graphite combined with interlock blank technology for added strength each rod is outfitted with royal titanium guides that will not fail. The blank is fitted into an easy-touch, soft-feel EVA foam grip with exposed blank reel seat. This all allows the Android to transmit every movement of your bait and even the most subtle bites. The Android series is the finest rod Denali has ever made and offers an angler the ultimate fishing experience with a limited lifetime warranty. See the full lineup of Android rods at DenaliRods.com. Welcome back. Wrapping things up on a Monday here. Uh, big shout out to uh, MLS Joe Pogger and Tom Reddington tomorrow. Brian Robinson's on the show, uh, former uh, Minnesota Viking. And I think he's like all in on the fishing thing and the industry and the fishing side. He's he's uh, like owns a tackle shop now. Uh, and I want to get his thoughts on uh, on actual professional sports and like players unions and 
if there's any future for that in fishing and then talk about his deep dive into the industry and kind of his uh vision after you know retiring and jumping in uh opens and toyota series and just kind of see where his future goes and then uh still working on uh wednesday show probably something related to the uh title or uh the elite series that is currently practicing on oahe based on what i've seen it's kind of a tough bite Oh, I did have one more thing. I'm going to throw this out there at the end of the show. There's still some people watching. So I've uh, I've taken up golf again. I grew up on a golf course, played 36 holes a day forever, and was pretty good, like, on the home course. And then, uh, like, when I was 14 or 15, my parents grounded me for, like, two weeks from golf. And I said, oh, I'll show them. I'll just quit golfing so it's not even, like, a punishment. So then I didn't golf for, like, five years. Uh, but then I got back into it. Now I've been away from it again. But I love swinging the club, so I've... I've I've kind of gotten back into it, and I have this thing where this fall, I want to, uh, I want to bowl two hundred fairly consistently. I want to break eighty and catch a twenty pound bag all in the same day or same weekend. Well, breaking eighty would require some help, most notably some lessons, uh, which is kind of expensive so i'm just saying if you are in the oklahoma area and you happen to be a, a pga a pro a golf teacher if you're a scratch golfer and you have any interest in maybe swapping some dink and dunk lessons drop shot dead rig any of that stuff on the water training if you're wanting to get better at that for some golf lessons i am definitely open for that uh i mean i can I can get the ball off the ground there. I played yesterday, played 18, 100% by the book, by the rule, shot an 87, but I shot a 40, high 40s on the front, but I was only three over on the back. But it's the uh, it's the consistency, and I just need to make sure I'm doing stuff right, and I think a teacher, golf lesson would be the best. So if you know anyone or if you are interested in that, hit me up on Instagram. So uh, that's all we got on a Monday for BTL. That was a good show. A lot of good discussion there with uh, with Tom Reddington and Joe. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Brian Robinson, looking forward to it. <laughs>